Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Grind 1.0 podcast. And this podcast is about entrepreneurs and all the struggles that go along with that. I have an awesome, awesome guest. I'm so excited she decided to put aside her busy day and her life and a schedule to get on my podcast. I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful. And this person is so busy. I'm just I just see her on LinkedIn all the time and I'm so stoked for this particular meeting and this interview. I'm, um, and basically, this, I'll let her introduce herself, but I want to introduce Miss Hala Taha. How are you doing, Miss Lady? Good. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So what we do first starting off, thank you for coming on. And secondly, just give this, the people like a minute bio on, um, you know, who you are, and what you do. Sure. So my name is Hala. I am the host and founder of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast. We're a top self-help podcast out right now. I also work at Disney Streaming Service. I am a marketing ops manager there, so I've got a full-time job and a side hustle. And you know, I've been in the entertainment industry and marketing for about like 10 over 10 years. Awesome. Yeah, I know. It's been a while. I think you got to start at WQHT Hot 97 with, on the Angie Martinez show. I did. Yeah. Yeah. How was that? How, I mean, how, give us a little background on that. Sure. So um, I got a job at Hot 97. And just to give some context for your listeners, that's a, a really popular radio station in New York. It's the number one hip hop and R&B station in New York. And then it's also like syndicated in other markets as well. And so um, it's super popular in New York. And it's not just a radio station. It's more like a lifestyle out here in New York. So the DJs host a lot of parties. And so it's it's more like a, a lifestyle going on out here. And it was a big deal to work out there, um, especially b- back when I did work there, which was about almost 10 years ago. Um, and I was there for about three years. So I started as an intern. Um, started out my junior year of college, I landed this internship in the production department, not in the studio area at first, uh, worked my way up to get a job in the studio area. And then Angie Martinez asked me to be her assistant. And that was about a year into it. I was in my senior year of college. I really wasn't doing well in college uh, grade wise. And so I decided to drop out of school and work at the station full time. Um, and so I did that for about two years and, uh, Um, you know some things transpired and I ended up leaving the station um, to continue and go back to school get my graduate uh, undergraduate degree and you know the rest goes from there awesome awesome well change is the only consistent thing in life right you always changing so we kind of fast forward to today so I got a question like why did you become an entrepreneur what was your your like was you always this way because you get yeah i know you are very active and you have your own thing going on so what was your motivation to make you say you know what i'm gonna do my own thing i don't care what nobody say i'm in this to witness yeah so i this yap is not my first entrepreneurial adventure so actually when i left hot 97 the first thing i did literally um to be honest, I got fired from Hot 97. Angie Martinez had fired me. There was some miscommunication, but basically I, I had been working basically for free for two years. I was pretty unhappy about that. I was making my money working on showcases at night and like booking artists for these underground showcases that we used to do at the station. I made money, but like I didn't really make money as Angie Martinez's assistant. It was basically like 
I don't want to say slave labor, but it, that's the radio industry. That's what you do. You basically pay your dues until you get to be on air. And that's what every on-air personality does is basically work for free for someone else for many, many years. But anyway, a real job opened up at Hot 97 that I thought I was qualified for because I had been Angie's assistant producer for two years. And then the producer position, a real position, paid position got opened up and they gave it to somebody else who like worked in the video department who was a little bit older than me, but like had no experience. And basically we got into a little argument, me and the guy, even though he was my friend and still is my friend. Um, we got into an argument. He showed it to Angie Martinez and she she fired me and like all my key cards got disconnected immediately and I was like devastated. So I was very devastated, very upset that I had gotten fired from Hot 97 because it was my dream job. I was meeting celebrities and the DJs were like literally my best friends and this was like my community, my life. And so I was very devastated and... Uh, and so then immediately I, that weekend, I got maybe fired on a Thursday or something. That weekend I decided I was gonna start something and I decided I was gonna start Strawberry Blunt, the sorority of hip hop. And I had this idea that I was going to um, empower women in the entertainment industry because I felt like, you know, I was let down by Angie and, and like as a, another woman who I was like, she was like my mentor. And then she kind of like disconnected me and like blackballed me from the radio industry. And I was like, well, I'm not going to let her just stamp me out and stuff me, like stamp me out of this um, industry, you know? Right, right. So, so I basically, or stopped me out, I should say, <laughs> out of this industry. So I had decided I was going to start this entertainment news website. And so I put out um, ads on Craigslist, on Twitter. I was pretty popular on Twitter at the time. And I basically was like, if you're a girl who works in the entertainment industry um, or you want to get your foot in the door, if you know how to write, if you're cute, um, fashionable, come talk to me and I basically set out some requirements and people sent me their resumes and their pictures and their bios and I pan picked like 12 girls to start off the sorority of hip hop and you know we had our first meeting I learned how to code and build websites by myself like in like a week um I used WordPress of course but like I I basically like and this was something I've never really done before. So it's like, I, I just basically learned how to do all this stuff by myself and um, launched the website, got the girls blogging, had a killer social media strategy. And within like the first month, we were like the 30,000th most popular website in the, in the US and I think the world and out of millions and millions and millions of websites. And so we got noticed really fast and got popular really fast. Um, Eventually, I made men's with everybody at Hot 97. I didn't really burn my bridges. And so we started to host parties and concerts. And uh, most of them were like, you know, in partnership with Hot 97 DJs and things like that. And so um, used my connections and um, we had a good run. We did it for like three years. And it was like at the end of it, we had like 50 female bloggers. Uh, I had 50 bloggers under me over time. There was maybe 100 girls involved involved in the tri-state area in Strawberry Blunt. They were girls like going in and out. Um, and it was just an amazing experience. And we even almost got a reality TV show two times. So wow. that, that's really my entrepreneur first entrepreneurial adventure. 
Wow, it seems like your entrepreneurial savviness took over too. The fact that, you know, cause some people could have been like, you know, screw them, I'm not with this. They did me this wrong and took this emotional approach and sound like you were able to embody that. And you know what, I'm gonna swallow my pride even though y'all screwing me right now. And I'm gonna go back cause I'm, I'm, I'm gonna use your platform to even push Strawberry Blonde or whatever I'm exactly. doing. And I think that's pretty smart on your behalf. And I think people can take a lesson out of your page, out of your book and say, when things do happen, Try to look for the intrinsic values, what I like to call it, the positive out of the something that may be negative, right? Yeah, and it's basically like I got to get the best of both worlds because really there's no there's no money in radio. I was too young to realize it. I was like 22, 23. Like I was really young when all this first happened. And like I didn't realize that like I was like I got fired from Hot 97 over like a job that probably pays 30 grand a year you right. know and right now like I make like so much more money than that and so it's just like so funny to look back on it because if I had known better I would have done the entrepreneurial stuff and then still worked for free at Hot 97 then gotten like an on-air personality job and still done all this other cool stuff that I had done but it's like I just didn't understand like how much I was giving up for so little, you know, I didn't real like at the, sometimes when you like, you just don't see the big picture. No, you don't. And I, I've been through that, lost my business in 2017 as a pizza place. And it's like, it was horrible for me. Cause that's my, I wanted, I like wanted the pizza place to have a NASCAR. That's how I was looking. It was going to be a nationwide franchise. That's what I was thinking. Just like you. And I can tell like, you still have passion for that industry and people that know you knew that's what your dream job. So not only did you, not only were you able to get over that and make a ton of more money, which is awesome, but you were able to continue to keep those relationships in past. And I just say kudos to you. Keep on grinding because I see you a lot and that's what you've been doing. So I guess that's a perfect segue um, to the next question that I have. And well, and the, just for the record, we all use the WordPress. I know I do. So. Yeah, that was awesome that you did it in two weeks. But um, mm -hmm. how do you how do you view LinkedIn as a platform for entrepreneurs and, and like how do you use it to kind of put yourself out there? What is something that you've been able to see that hey, this is my voice, this is what I'm doing, and this is you know just a few tips that the listeners can take from somebody who's on LinkedIn quite a bit, as we both are. And what is it that you do, and how do you use it? Sure. So I would say that. This, this past year is the first year that I really got into LinkedIn. So prior to LinkedIn, I was really into Twitter um, and Instagram and things like that. But LinkedIn right now is the best organic reach platform out there. Um, there's no comparison. If you're not famous, if you're just starting out, LinkedIn is the place that you want to be to grow your brand. Um, it obviously depends on the people you're trying to target. LinkedIn has more professionals. Um, it's a little bit of an older crowd. But if you're trying to target um, professionals that are like, you know, higher age level millennials, LinkedIn is your place to be. And um, as far as tips to use the platform, it's really all about um, engagement and quality content. And you want to make sure that first of all, you're consistent. Um, LinkedIn's not the type of platform where you want to post 10 times a day. But you know, once a day, three, four times a week, um, you want to understand your audience and, and what the, when they, they log on and what time your post gets the most engagement and kind of like 
like test um, until you figure something that works out for you and your audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say like every day or three, four times a week. Um, and then you want to make sure that you're providing value. So LinkedIn's not the type of place where you want to just like promote, 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 promote. If you're promoting, you want to make sure that even if somebody doesn't click on the link or whatever you're promoting, you're going to want to make sure you provide value. So even if they just read it, they feel like it's valuable. They don't feel like, oh, I want to unfollow this person because they're just blasting me with promotional content I'm not interested in. So value is definitely key. Um, And then aside from your own content, um, you definitely want to engage on other people who have a following. So the comment game is everything in LinkedIn. So you want to make sure that you're commenting and you're building a community of people where you guys support each other and comment on each other's posts. And usually if you start commenting on one person's post, hopefully they'll start returning the favor with you. Um, Another strategy you can do is if you have a competitor or somebody who's very similar to you, you can look at the people that are following them or or liking and engaging on their posts and you can follow them back, send them a note, a friendly note to connect that's a little personalized, get them to connect with you. They're obviously interested in the same type of content and so they'll hopefully engage on your posts. um, But a second benefit is that once you comment on that person's post, that competitor that you just followed a whole bunch of their followers that engage with their content, they'll probably like your comment and then you'll always be the top comment so that's a really good trick that most people don't know about that i do all the time um another linkedin strategy is to think about automation now this is something that um you need to be a little bit tech savvy for it's actually not totally in line with linkedin standards so you need to be careful and follow any sort of like uh invite uh, maximum counts or uh, message maximum counts that LinkedIn has. So I'm not going to go into too much detail about that. But if you are interested in LinkedIn automation, Josh Fetcher on episode 13 on my podcast, The Young Profiting, goes into it in a lot of detail. So those are some tips. Do you have yeah. any specific questions? <laughs> no, I do. I do have more questions. But to go back to the comments, I like that. And I, I say break. we break bread in a thread and you're so right. Um, that's my that's my <laughs> little that. that's my little thing. You can use that by the way, just say who you got it from. All right, all right. No, but uh, <laughs> now you're right. The tips that you said is so awesome to bring value and finding your space. I think what I'm gonna do here for myself is do a LinkedIn free LinkedIn social uh, training event to get people to understand, especially in Arkansas. I'm in the South. Nobody, people aren't on it as they are in New York, New Jersey, California, and uh, San Francisco. So I think it's a lot of opportunity out there. But thank you for those tips. Those are awesome tips and it's so much value. So go check out her episode 13 if you want to get more details on automation. So my next question would be, um, what are some of the challenges you face so far with getting uh, YAP, which is young, it's an acronym for young and profiting. What are some of the challenges that you face so far with getting that off the ground? Sure. So to give some more color to the story of how I got it off the ground, um, last in 2018 or 20 end of 2017, my New Year's resolution was to start Young and Profiting Pod. I didn't even know the name. Start a podcast as my New Year's resolution for 2018. That right. was my goal. 
So, um, and I had announced this goal to everybody. At the time I worked at Hewlett Packard, I announced to all my coworkers, like at an event, and I also announced it on social media. And it was like three weeks before 2018. And I was like, on New Year's Day, I'm gonna be launching a podcast. I was so naive. I thought it, I thought I could do it in three weeks. I thought I could book a guest, record the podcast, edit it, do everything, and like have my logo and iTunes art and get approved by iTunes. I thought I could do all of that in three weeks. I was really off, extremely off, and um, and I had ton of, a ton of radio experience, so I thought like, oh, I have this in the bag. Um, when I used to work at 97, I also had like online radio shows, and Strawberry Blunt had an online radio show, and so I was very used to radio, so I, I knew the production aspect of it, um, but I never launched a podcast. Podcast is a relatively new thing, like it's a, it's a new space. So anyway, I, you know, didn't end up launching until April. And that's a long time. That's four months after I said I would. <laughs> and people like were doubting me and were like, oh, what happened to your podcast? And I was like, I'm working on it. Like, you know, and I just like decided, OK, I'm not going to I'm like going to take the pressure off myself and just try to do this right. And to be honest, I think my first episode is probably my best episode, which is like many people don't have great content out of the gate. But like I really, really had a good episode. First three episodes were amazing. And it was just me by myself. I would I, um, you know, wrote a very long email to these two people um dr jack schaefer he wrote the like switch and dory clark she wrote uh stand out and they're both pretty famous authors um and they really had no business coming on my first episode but i wrote them a long email i explained like how i started strawberry blunt and how that was pretty successful and and um how I, i've been experienced in radio this is just a new leg of that um, and how I'm not inexperienced but this is a new podcast and you're taking a chance on me and luckily they re they took a chance on me and I recorded this first episode um, so as far as the challenges in recording the first episode I had a very complicated format and that was mistake number one when I first started I had a very complicated complicated format I'm very much the type of person where I don't copy anyone so I literally did not uh, I listened to other podcasts before but I had my own vision of what I wanted to do and so I just decided I was going to do something totally unique and I interviewed these guests and I would have two to like five guests per episode and then I would take the recording chop it up and the interview was really like me narr or sorry the episode was really me narrating um, throughout um, these two interviews and like weaving the content and so it was very complicated because I would need to pick like okay Dr. Schaefer said something about first impressions and Dory Clark said something about first impressions and now I'm gonna have to merge what they said and make it make sense even though they weren't on the same line when they were talking and so it, it was it ended up being like really enjoyable to listen to and I basically wrote a like you know pages and pages of my own content and got to narrate and, and kind of show our listeners like who I really am um, so it was really great but it took so long it took me a month to put out each episode because it was just so time consuming to chop up the audio to process all of it to make it weave together and make sense and so that was mistake number one it was too complicated mm. um, mistake number two is that I didn't prepare episodes in advance so basically I built up this huge splash my first episode came out lots of people were excited because I had been talking about it for a long time all my friends came out to support me and listened and like acquaintances and lots of people were engaging on my stuff but then it took me a whole month to put out episode number oh. two 
Yeah. And so it's like it was starting from the ground every time, starting from the ground every time. Um, and so that's not a great way to build uh, listeners. And so I was inconsistent in the beginning because it was just too much. I was working a full-time job and starting this podcast and my format was super complex. So it was very hard to put out an episode. Um, by episode three, luckily, uh, Timothy Tan, who's my business partner, reached out to me and was like, you know, I love your podcast, blah, blah, blah. I was starting to gain a little bit of momentum on LinkedIn. And so he started to help me. At that point, from episode four on, I changed my format. And I decided it was going to be interview that we could give just as much value in a well-researched interview that would require way less editing, less music throughout, less narration. We could provide just as much value and probably more um, incentive for people to be get guests on our show because um, previously, because I had multiple guests, it, the title didn't feature the guest name. It was just like, you know, uh, first impressions, how to, you know, how to make a good first impression or cryptocurrency, the landscape of cryptocurrency. Uh, but now I get to feature the the guest name and the title, which gives them more incentive to come on the show. It's like more like their episode, right? Right. So, so, um, changed my format so it was less complex than that that was very helpful i was able to start putting out an episode every two weeks and then i got to 10 days and then now i'm like at a 10 to weekly cadence um i'm testing what when to put out an episode i could put out an episode every three days if i wanted to i'm literally only holding off um because i feel like it's performing better that way right um so so that was how I overcame that challenge. I simplified basically, and I started to build a team. So um, at first I was trying to do it all by myself. That was another mistake. I should have um, from the start tried to build a team, tried to build out episodes in advance. Um, but um, I, I ended up growing a team. Now I have a team of 10. So I have multiple people. I have somebody who helps me with the audio editing, which is like a huge lift off my shoulders. Definitely helps me um, put out more content. I have people helping me with research. Um, we re- we have very um, renowned guests on our show that require a ton of research. We've got to read books and videos and really come prepared. So got people supporting me with that, although I love to do that and uh, that I consider that one of my main responsibilities. And um, also social media promotion. So definitely have people supporting me with that. So that's really the main components of putting together a podcast. It's producing the content and promoting it. Um, so now I have support doing that. Awesome. Um, yeah. Now I and, and you said a lot, and people that are listening to it take notes because what she's basically giving you is the from the ground up how to go through the struggles of figuring out whether it be your format, uh, whether it be even your name. You even told me I should change my name when I first started. Uh, yeah. And then just the, the the pillars of it, which is uh, marketing it, uh, promoting it. Uh, getting it edited and doing the research on your your special guests especially like you said you don't want anybody to feel like they didn't get that attention right and you want them to yeah. go and talk about it and then promote it and that way other people feel good about coming on and you feel like oh this is a great podcast it's a great it gives me great value get my it gives my listeners great value so everybody wins in that case so how do you monetize that and i think people don't realize how that works and, and how like is it view is it listenership is it and what platform are you currently using because I've using I've been using anchor but I'm looking to switch up because anchor has given me some issues in the past yeah so uh, two different questions so let's start with 
monetization. Um, out the gate, I'll say that podcasting is not something, unless you're Gary Vee, Joe Rogan, top of the top, I'm, I'm a really popular podcast and this is coming from me. You're not going to make a living off podcasting. So like don't get that in your head. Like podcasting is great and it's great to get leads and it's great to get your name out there and it's great to build a personal brand and it's great to elevate any brand that you have. But it's not a place where you're going to get like standalone monetization from it so this is my advice you can definitely sustain the podcast using advertising so that's what we do we have a sponsorship model we get our show sponsored by different people we had um compass hq that was sponsoring us for a while now we have rethink agency we had a partnership with audible like an affiliate partnership so there's sponsorships and basically what that is is you work with a company who and you decide on a fee for a commercial uh it could be pre-roll pre-roll mid-roll at the end of the podcast any of those options um you align on how many seconds that commercial will be you align on the copy you decide on the fee and um you know for how long you're going to do this commercial for them so that's like you know flat fee sponsorship model then there's the affiliate marketing model so you can work with a company who has an affiliate program so for example audible and you can have like a a link that you direct people to for audible it's like a free trial and anybody who signs up you get 15 bucks if they sign up Uh um and there's many different uh affiliate there's many different products that have an affiliate marketing uh, offer. And basically, you just have to promote some link or promote some uh, promo code or whatever, and you get a cut of whatever you bring in. So those are the two ways that you can use like a a sponsorship in some shape or form um, to make money in your podcast. Then I think the other way is obviously to drive leads. So if you have some sort of agency, if you have a service, if you have a product, you provide valuable content and then you drive leads to whatever business that you own. Um, So for me right now, my goal as a podcaster is to become, uh, to get more downloads so that I can start demanding more money for my sponsorship. So that's my main goal. But long term, two years down the line, when you're down the line, I might start my own marketing agency because I'm a marketer, I'm really good at it. I do it full time now, but why not have my own business and start a marketing agency and drive leads from the podcast to there? Um, and right now, I basically have a partnership with a marketing agency that I'm doing that with, but I'm not the marketing agency. I just get a cut of whatever I bring in on a monthly basis. Gotcha. gotcha. So, so that's that's really um, the the different ways that you can monetize a podcast. The other thing I would say is, you know, if you're building a personal brand, if you start to gain a big following. Uh, putting out a course is really popular nowadays. Everybody loves to learn. Nobody really cares about degrees and certificates so much anymore. If you put out a great course, um, something that you're really an expert on, that could be another way to to monetize the show. Or um, if you put out exclusive content that people have to pay for, that's you know really well done. Um, that's another way as well. Awesome, awesome. Sound like all those are, are good ways. But I think the, you prefaced it and you kind of gave that lie, that uh, disclaimer. Don't think that you're gonna get make a living off of it. At least not early on, anyway. Until you get to a exactly. point. Yeah, until you get to a point to where you, like you said, and I, I and I guess my question too is is the uh, is the the return on investment is is it always based on downloads and that specific. Um, how you get paid? Do they look at how many downloads that they get? Because that's something that they can track. 
Yeah, so I don't think that people have the capability to really track. Um, it's sort of like the honor system, which I find a little strange, um, but it's definitely downloads are a huge part of it. I think your social media following and presence online, like if you have a professional website, if you have engagement on your posts, I think that plays a part of it. I think the type of guests, if you have an interview format or guests like that also has some prestige to it and help you demand money. I think right now um, there's definitely like um, you can you can either like have a bunch like go to a platform that works with different advertisers and like you really have no choice about the advertisement that comes on your podcast I don't do that so I don't know much about it but I know that there's services like that um, but for me it's like more negotiating with some company that reaches out to me and likes likes what I'm doing you know yeah. and it's kind of there's no set fee or anything like that there's no industry standard uh, I definitely get more money than I see online that other podcasts get but that's because I kind of set my own price and negotiate with the people and I feel like I've got like big names that come on my show that help me. Yeah, and I think when you demand that and put yourself in a position to, you know, branding position, like you said, in the prestige of the guests, you can demand that amount of money. And that's kudos to you again. Now, see, that's that entrepreneur savviness that I was talking about earlier. You got it. You definitely got it. So I guess another, we can go into the next question. This, this segment I like to call, uh, what is something that people may not know about you? Like you put, of course, you put a lot of stuff out on social media, you know, you're on Twitter, Instagram, maybe more on uh, LinkedIn than the other ones. Um, what is it that people may not know that you can, of course, share and you don't feel like uncomfortable with sharing? Just share with the people that are listening um, with something that people may not know about you. Sure. So I'll talk about my love life a little bit. I don't think people realize that I'm, I, um, I've been with somebody for 10 years and he's actually a pretty famous hip hop producer. His name is Harry Fraud and you know, he's the love of my life and he produces like all of French Montana's music, Wiz Khalifa, The Weeknd, and he's huge on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and so I think that's a fun fact that many people don't know because right now I'm like kind of in the business world and we live like two separate lives on social media. So I don't think people realize that like my boyfriend is like this cool hip hop producer. That's um, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that is great. He So did he produce Cabin Fever? I don't think so, but he's pretty, uh, maybe I'm, oh. not, I'm not the best at keeping up, but he's like French Montana's like main producer. And Got like, you. That's, he's like top 10 hip hop producer and like ever. So that's he's big. big. That's yeah. big. Hey, you gotta, you gotta connect this one. I'm, I'm going to be in New York in October, not New, Jer <laughs> not New Jersey, but cause I know that's two hours away, but I'm going to be in New York. So I love to get introduced. Cause if he, if he produced, uh, Cabin Fever, I gotta shake his hand because that's one of my all-time favorite. That's Wiz Khalifa. Yeah, he's like, um, you know, executive producer of French's next album and oh, that's... Bronson and everything. Like oh yeah, wow, that's awesome. That's good to know. That's, I never knew that. I knew that you yeah. you were you were had a boyfriend. I know you were dating somebody because I think I seen a post where you said something about you know put it out there a little bit but not it wasn't going to go into depth as far as who the person was so yeah that's awesome that is awesome definitely if i'm in the region i'm gonna hit you up and be like hey um introduce me to your boyfriend we gotta get because <laughs> i love wiz and I, I mean i like friendship but i love wiz he's a guy but that's awesome Every yeah, my friends always joke that like because like those are his like best friends like french wiz all those people those are his like really close friends they're like i get to walk with wiz down the aisle if i'm your bridesmaid like, yeah <laughs> Everybody's always fighting over that stuff. That is so, awesome. 
That is yeah, awesome. Fun fact. Fun fact about Holla. That's great. So, um, what is your five year plan? Whoa. I, th- um, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it kind of went from like, like, oh, yeah, this is awesome to, yeah, let, let me think a second. I, you kind of alluded to it from uh, earlier about your plans as yeah. far as two years from now, how you. Well, okay, so right now I work at Disney Streaming Services. Um, I'm a marketing manager there. It's an awesome job. And so I don't know where that will take me. Maybe I'll be a VP at Disney in five years, you know? Right, Who right. knows? I, I'm not, I'm putting, I'm not like making any drastic moves right now because like I said podcasting is a funny space it's not that much money in that space and I know the type of lifestyle that I want now I do have like I said I have a very successful boyfriend like I've been riding with him for 10 years I you know used to pay for his first studio when he first started now he's super successful so there might be a point where like he like you know makes a mega hit and I don't need to work at Disney anymore and I can focus full-time on my podcast and do whatever I want um who knows what's gonna happen there but I mean I'm an entrepreneur at heart Uh, I know uh, like at some point I'm gonna own my own business and like ma- make that my full-time thing so um, one of the ideas that we're toying with is first of all aside from having the marketing agency we want Yap to be a network of podcasts um, that way we can demand more money for advertising and promote across multiple shows um, another idea that we're toying with is helping podcasts launch on our network and charging a fee to kind of give you a podcast in a box, um, you know, manage your production process, your distribution process, your promotional process, and help support all of that and like charge some sort of mo- monthly fee. And you get to be on our network and you might be able to get a cut of the advertising money and, and so on. So like that's one idea. Um, then we have just a marketing agency model that we're thinking about in general where we would help support any sort of marketing activity that somebody would want. Um, and then sometimes I dream about starting my own like product. I love skincare, I'm very passionate about it, know a lot about it, maybe start my own skincare line, maybe start uh, you know, open up a little boutique store in the Hamptons or something like these are all dreams that I have. Um, I'm very like want to do a million things. <laughs> so <laughs> no, that's good. St- that's good stuff right there. I like the podcast syndicate. That's kind of what you would have, right? You yeah. it, it'd be like multiple podcasts. They obviously sharing revenue, but you 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 give create that platform from them to have podcast as a franchise. That's dope right there. That alone, because yeah. and you know you know just like I know it's the the medium is is not like lucrative right now unless you're at the top very top but it's going to become more lucrative as you continue to grow and as you continue to put out great content and I think that's what you where, where you guys are headed especially with some of the podcasts that I've listened to that I thoroughly enjoyed and learned a lot from so yeah I like that idea I would definitely want to be a part of that you know as somebody who has a <laughs> podcast you know what I mean I'd be like oh yeah I'm on you know this is it could give me more prestige obviously I'm still in my growing stages right so yeah. this that would help me and to hear that that's just definitely exciting because I would definitely want to be a part of that if I can afford it because you know Southern boys we we don't nah I'm just joking no I'm just joking no seriously yeah I'll keep you posted we're gonna call it Young and Profiting uh, Network so it's something that we have a lot of 
documentation and planning around already. I just don't know when we'll launch. Right, right. Well, and that's part of that, you know, that vision of dreams that you say you have. You have to have dreams. That's what gives you hope, right? And that's what keeps you like that exciting part. And you can hear it in your voice, like you, you just to think about starting your own skincare line. Just looking, of course, at you, I think you could be very successful because I think one of the things about skincare, it's all about like you don't see Maybelline or uh, uh, Sephora, any of them go and get people who's not inconsistent with what they what they're trying to push and you could be somebody yes. that could push that right not to knock yeah. anybody else so i think you, you, you <laughs> no seriously you definitely could do that with no problem it's just i think it's a lot more work and uh, to, to get things launched just like you know you thought the, the podcast was going to be easy so exactly and i have no experience like whereas marketing i could do in my sleep i don't have any experience starting a skincare line so but it could be fun like i love to like i feel like at some point i'm gonna get bored of marketing because even my podcast is a lot of marketing like podcasts in itself like people don't realize like it's mostly marketing it is yeah you do the episode but it's really like if you don't market it like you're not going to be successful it's mostly like you've got a product that you have to market right and it's mostly all about that so and, that's and probably why my podcast is successful exactly and you're doing great and i'm still in the works of getting my marketing <laughs> one 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 reasons why because i don't i don't feel like i use enough platforms and of course i'm by myself right in that sense so i'm steady growing but i think if every episode that i do i want to bring you know just a genuine conversation and it'll grow organically and as i get more of a team with me you know i think i'll be able to do like you have done and put the people in the right places to to be able to you know accentuate and support it and propel it to the next level so that's my goal anyway i'm i'm on the bottom toe i can tell you that right now that's one of the reasons why i'm so thankful that you came on to my show and i really appreciate it so after you've given me your five-year plan and i'm looking forward i know my wife she'll, she'll love some of that skincare product once you have come out with it <laughs> So what, what advice would you give someone who is just starting out in their own business? I would advise you to plan a lot and make sure that before you launch anything, um, you really plan things out. Um, I would advise you to make sure that you have a good product or service that you really stand behind and that you try to provide a lot of um, value to whoever you're offering it to. Um, so, so something that you really stand behind and believe in because then you'll be passionate about working on it. Um, I would make sure that you have enough time um, and that you're whatever and that you know your end goal and um, you kind of understand like what how much money you want to make and work backwards to figure out how many products you need to sell or how many services you need to sell in order to make that monthly goal and make your yearly goal over time. Um, so I think that that's really important, especially if you're trying to do it full time. Um, and to make sure you have a good team, you know, you go faster when you're working with other talented people. And I think um, making sure you have a good network of people who can support you. Don't forget that sometimes your competitors can become your closest collaborators. Um, so just making sure you've got a good network. If you require a team, making sure that you staff up and uh, train your team and and facilitate a great company culture so people are happy working for you 
and that's my advice. That's awesome. And I, the, the last one is probably the most important. And I think we, you and I follow Gary Vee. He's big on that. And like he's got a, a CHO, the chief heart officer. You know what I mean? That person, yeah. that person goes through and check on everybody. The company culture is what can make or break your company. It don't matter how good your, great your product is. If you got people who are not in line with that vision and consistent with your com- your mission statement and also having that culture, you can definitely uh, not succeed. So those are awesome all great points and we got about 10 more minutes or so and I got I think I got one more question and I'll be you'll be able to get back to your busy busy life uh, <laughs> so um, how do you and that's a great segue how do you view culture as culture as a whole because obviously your boyfriend is in a cultural space when it comes to hip-hop and making beats and producing beats but also as it pertains to uh, the corporate world and the marketing world and entrepreneurship in, in general So I think culture is really important. I think culture is what drives people to do good work. And um, I think the type of culture that you implement in whatever organization that you have is really make or break on if your company will be successful or not. Um, So keeping your employees motivated is really important. And for that, I really think enabling flexibility is everything right now. So everybody just as a millennial and i know this personally it's like we want to work from home we want to work remotely we want to work wherever we're going to work because things are so busy these days and we want to fit so much in our life we want to work out we want to you know hang out with our friends but we also want to do work we might have side hustles money doesn't go as far now so we might have more than one job and so it's really important for the employer to understand that people's lives are more dynamic now some of us might have children whatever it is and we've got the technology to work remotely and so allowing people to be flexible and to work on their own hours and trusting your employees will get the work done not just counting the hours that they sit in the office but just looking at it holistically and saying like are they meeting their objectives or not Um, don't worry about how many hours they're necessarily putting in um, and letting them be flexible because honestly sometimes I get my best work done at 9 p.m. at night and if if I was able to work at 9 p.m. at night and get stuff out the door and that would enable me to then do something at 11 o'clock in the afternoon the next day then let me do that like I just think that work in general people need to get more used to the idea that like the traditional office is going away like in 20 years like there will be no such thing as going to the office like that's such an old idea and it's great to collaborate it's great to get face-to-face time but technology is advancing so fast like we're soon not going to need to to meet in person period um, to get our work done and video conferencing is so great we've got to just take advantage of it so sorry for rambling but first things first is flexibility is everything when it comes to culture um another idea of culture is to make it's make it fun and for for your employees so make sure that they feel cared about and that they have other people that they can relate to if they have problems or whatever so a lot of companies have something called employee resource groups and basically what what it is 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 different people getting together and starting um, a committee or club within the organization that's um 
aligned on a certain topic. So for example, there could be a women's group or there could be a disabled group or there could be an African-American group. Um, in my case, I used to be president of the Young Employee Network at HP and I started this Young Employee Network, um, which was all like millennials and people like under, uh, at the time I was younger, it was like everybody in their like 20s were, were in this group. And um, so, so that's something that, that can make employees feel empowered and, and feel connected and happy at work. So I think that helps. Um, I think those are like my main like flexibility and making sure that employees are trusted, which goes hand in hand with flexibility. And then also making sure that your employees feel cared about. Um, and I think those are really the the main points of, of a good company culture. That's that's big, and, and you giving a potential company would, that will be listening out there the, some some of the guidelines to as they move into the next the next generation of, of workers, Generation X, from the millennials. You are so right. It's such an old perspective to think that you have to like right now. I'm wherever I want to be. I'm an old older millennial, of course, barely made the cut. They actually like they like temper sometimes try to kick me out of the millennial class. <laughs> you too old, get out of the class, you know, whatever. You're like, I was in there last week. <laughs> right, I was just in there. What are y'all talking about? But anyway, I'll let you have it right now. But no, it's so you're so right. The flexibility, the uh, the idea of being able to get optimized whenever you do work and then having that time to go work out or go and uh, have afternoon tea, which is a saying nowadays. <laughs> um, what, whatever it is that you like to do, read books or however you... Uh, you know, cultivate that inner presence that you need to be able to perform and not having those overbearing old school managers like you got to do this, this and this to, so you can get that. And this is how many hours you got to do. And if you don't do these hours, you get, you know, docked points or whatever. Whoever who made the demerit system? I'm, I'm just saying that stuff is so old and you're right. I think companies need to as culture wise, being flexible is, is probably up number one right now. Did you see on LinkedIn when they had the backlash when the company, it was a, um, one of the financial big companies down on uh, Wall Street, they tried to you know, tell everybody that they couldn't work, that was working from home, they couldn't work from home no more. Everybody almost quit. Then they, they had to go back on their words because they see like, you, you can't give, give these people this. And it's, this all that included millennials, the, the baby boomers that are still working, yeah. enjoy that as well because they see, you know, I can be more, um, I can be more assertive and reflexive in my own space and have that peace when I need it, so. Yeah, I mean, the way that offices are set up right now also, a lot of them are like open office uh, concepts and it's just really hard to do focused work. And I just interviewed Stephen Kotler and he's, um, you know, an expert on ultimate human performance and getting into flow. And he says your number one trigger to get into flow is ha is to have uninterrupted concentration for 90 to 120 minutes. And if you can have uninterrupted concentration, that's your number one trigger to maximize your productivity up to like 500%. And being in an open floor concept is terrible for flow. It's terrible to to stay focused and actually get quality work done because you're constantly being um, called. You might have a phone or Slack might be buzzing, but most importantly, like there's people talking on the phone around you. Somebody might tap you on the shoulder and have a conversation with you. If you can't stay focused for 90 minutes, 
you're screwed to get any type of quality work done. Right. So I just think that um, the way that offices are designed, it doesn't work for the type of knowledge work that we have to do these days because right. we just need to be focused and, and be able to get into our zone and be alone if we have to. And it's very difficult to do in an office. Yeah, especially these open, whoever came up with that idea. And I think they realizing that's not the way to go nowadays. Um, it's like a really like a call center. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's basically, yeah. that's basically what it is because I mean, you could expect call centers having multiple people. Like whenever those people call me and you know who they are, it's like you can hear the other people talking to people doing the same thing. Um, and I hate that, by the way, those, those uh, callers. But yeah, I, I think open spaces definitely needs to go away to the wayside and more more office pilots wherever you want to be um, at home or wherever at a Starbucks, wherever. So now this is probably the end of our conversation. And I really appreciate you for coming on. It's been such a such a awesome, awesome, amazing interview. I think you I think the world of you, I really I'll follow you. I share your content. I think that's what some of some of the things that you, you mentioned on LinkedIn. If people were trying to look for, for Hala and your your content and your material, where would they need to go? What like where where are you all you on? What platforms are you on these days? Sure. So LinkedIn is my main one. You guys can find me. Hala Taha is my name. H-A-L-A. Last name T-A-H-A. I'm also on Instagram at Yap with Hala. Um, we have a company account there too at Young and Profiting. And then you can always go to my website, youngandprofiting.com. Um, that has everything there. Links to listen to the podcast. Links to my social media accounts. And then the podcast itself, we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and recently we launched on YouTube. That is so great. Holla, it's been a pleasure to, to, to talk to you, to interview, and to get to a little, a little bit more about you. I hope this don't it's not the last time. And keep me updated uh, on the podcast uh, network. I would love to be a part of that. And I hope you have a great 4th of July. And for everybody out there celebrating 4th of July, I hope you have a great 4th of July. And I look forward to talking to you again, okay? Likewise. It was a pleasure, Carl. Thank absolutely. You. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you.